Hi, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Yishan, a board-certified sleep specialist and the founder of Mind Body Garden Psychology Clinic. So now we are going through the time change across the world. Should we consider permanent a certain time schedule, or should we keep on doing this time change every year? If we want to permanent the time schedule, should we permanent the standard time or the daylight saving time? There are actually a big difference between these two. So today we have Dr. Karen Johnson, the medical director of Bay State Health Regional Sleep Program in Springfield. She is also a vice president of Save Standard Time, a volunteer. Run nonprofit advocating for permanent standard time. She is also the sleep section chair of the American Academy of Neurology, and serve as an advocacy committee member in、uh, American Academy of Sleep Medicine. She will share with us the four pillars of a good night of sleep, and why we should promote the permanent standard time. Instead of permanent daylight saving time, you can check out the website savestandardtime.com for more information. Let's welcome Dr. Johnson. Hello, Dr. Johnson. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Thank you for having me. I know right now different countries are experiencing this time change, and that's such an important topic. So I definitely want to have this opportunity to discuss with you more about the impact behind it and how we should think about this topic. But before we get started, how about you introduce yourself briefly to our audience? So I'm Dr. Karen Johnson. I'm a sleep medicine specialist. I work at Bay State Medical Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm the vice president of Save Standard Time.、Uh, Volunteer-run nonprofit that、uh, is advocating for permanent standard time, and I'm also on the advocacy committee of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and I'm the sleep medicine section chair of the American Academy of Neurology. Wow, great! So the sleep field is getting bigger and bigger, and、uh, I'm so glad you are joining this nonprofit and use your. Um, you know your expertise, your knowledge to really help us to bridge this scientific knowledge and how that guide our day to day life, right? Because I feel like for people who don't know sleep medicine very well, who don't know all this knowledge, we we may be confused. What should we do? And recently, there's a debate: should we keep this、um, daylight saving time permanent? So I'm a little concerned. So I want to ask you where we are in that process. So、um, there's been quite a bit of active legislation happening, especially in the last few years.、Um, so there are people that are trying to have us go to permanent daylight savings time.、Um, that's what the Sunshine Protection Act that Rubio、um, kind of snuck through Cong-、uh, through the Senate last、uh, March, but it did not pass the House. Um, and then is been reintroduced this year.、Um, meanwhile, other people are submitting permanent standard time bills at the state level. There is currently no federal level permanent standard time bill.、Uh, 
Um, and that's the, the bills that we are supporting um, would be um, time zone appropriate permanent standard um, mm. time bills. And I say time zone appropriate because um, on the East Coast of um, the United States, some people have been advocating for standard Atlantic time, which is the same thing as Eastern permanent daylight savings time. So we are also against um, those bills. And the, the reason that we want permanent standard time is because standard time is where the sun is more closely overhead at noon and our bodies stay aligned with the sun. So not only are there issues when we make the change and lose that hour of sleep, like at least we just did in, in, in the spring, um, but the whole time that we stay on daylight savings time, our body um, is in a state of misalignment that is not good for us. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there are two questions. One is, should we make the time uh, consistent throughout the year, right? I grew up in China. In, in China, it's consistent all through the year. We never really change the time half through. Um, the, the second question is, which one we should make it permanent if we want to go that route? And that's really important to realize that those are two separate questions and different data in, inform that. So mm -hmm. time change is disruption, uh, is bad. Um, you know, people are more tired. Um, we know there's more heart attacks, more strokes, more um, accidents. People forget to show up for their medical visits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, students don't do as well at school. Uh, there's an interesting study showing how marathon runners don't run as quick if it's time change weekend. So the the acute effects are harmful and, you know, it'd be great to get rid of them. Um, so there's two ways to do that. One would be that permanent daylight savings time. Um, and the second would be permanent um, standard time. And you need different sort of long-term data to say, what are the long-term effects? And with looking at that and also knowing the history of permanent daylight savings time, we actually think that it would be better to keep the changes than going to permanent daylight savings time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so if people want to keep data saving time permanent, then we'd rather not do that because that's more harmful. Right. And, and so, you know, what we learned from history, so in the United States, um, we did permanent daylight savings time in World War II as well as in 1974. So in 1974, people going into it thought it would be a great idea. 79% were in favor of, of going to permanent daylight savings time. Um, but as soon as they experienced it, um, they realized that the really dark mornings in winter. So in the United States, there's anywhere from about two to four months with sunrises happening after 8 a.m. And they can be, you know, even after 9 a.m. in some places. And we really need morning light. It sends a pulse into our brain and resets our body clocks. And that is really important, not only for alertness, but for mood, for our health. And people very quickly um, didn't like it. The other thing that happened were school children were now standing at bus stops in the dark with mm -hmm. drowsier drivers driving around on, on the roads in the dark. Ooh. And in like one month in Florida, eight school children were killed at their bus stops. <gasps> yeah. Oh, and horrible. so needless to say, there was big outcry. We need to end this. This is not good. 
And so, you know, there's no reason for us to repeat the history, you know, the mistakes of, of history. Um, we know that if we try it again, we're going to have the same issues. And if anything, back in the olden days, schools times usually started later. Now, a lot of school times start even earlier. You know, there's a lot more schools that are starting at 730 in the morning. So, you know, kids would be completely in the dark um, going to school, you know, throughout the, the winter period. Mm, wow. That's horrible. Sounds like there's a lot of consequences. And when you mentioned the drowsy driving, right? We all know drowsy driving is as bad or even worse than drunk driving. It's just to make accident more uh, likely to happen. Yeah, and there was a great study that just came out in November by Gentry, um, and he looked at um, fatal car or motor vehicle accidents and the rates based on where people live in, in the country. And um, in the, you know, a lot of people will say that daylight saving time will actually reduce car accidents because it'll be light later and more people are driving later. And that makes sense. But the problem is light isn't the only factor leading to accidents. You mentioned drowsy driving, drunk driving, speeding, texting while driving. You know, all of these things actually increase when people and especially teenagers aren't sleeping as well. And um, teenagers are some of the most harmed by it. So this study by Gentry looked at the parts of the U.S., that were more aligned and within sort of the correct time zone within a half hour of having the sun overhead at noon versus the parts of the country that were later than that, that are more misaligned. And there was 20.8% more fatal car accidents um, in the parts of the country that have the later sun um, rises and sunsets. So, so light did not win out. (laughs) Oh yeah. Wow. Sleep, sleep sleep won out, but not in a good way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, when you talk, I was thinking about another question related to this is, you know, if we make the time permanent, no matter which one, so the, the country is so huge, right? So different cities still would experience different time. How is that going to impact people's health? So we know that just being on the Western end of U.S. time zones, um, that there are more health risks. Um, There's about 10% increased risk of obesity. Um, There's increased risk of cancer. There's increased risk of heart attacks. Um, and, And the reason is that basically the Eastern end of all the time zones is still within that half hour of the sun being overhead at noon. But a lot of the Western ends of the time zones have sort of, you know, gone into the wrong time zone, what we call eccentric time zones. So they can have the sun overhead at 1 p.m. or 1.30 p.m., even 2 p.m. on even standard time. When you go to daylight savings time, then you're even an hour later than that. Um, and we know that those later sunrises and sunsets lead to sleep being later, which means people are more definitely falling asleep. And then they have more difficulty waking up in the morning. And this um, changes what we call chronotype or the midpoint of sleep. And it also increases the amount of social jet lag. Um, Mm -hmm. So social jet lag is the idea that, um, you know, and often we see it in teenagers where they'll sleep in late on weekends and but get up earlier, you know, for school or work. And so, um, when Russia actually went um, and tried permanent daylight savings time between 2014 to 2017, they were actually able to compare teenagers in that period 
um, before where they're on seasonal daylight savings time to after when they're on standard time. And they found that um, about 17% more adolescents um, had at least two hours of social jet lag. They were forced to be getting up at least two hours earlier than their bodies wanted to on weekends. And so they, their average sleep time was actually about the same. They made up for it on weekends, mm -hmm. but this was associated with higher rates of winter depression. And we know that the more social jet lag is associated with lots of bad health outcomes, more obesity, more cardiovascular problems, um, a lot of ed, um, cognitive issues, not doing as well in school, um, making poor decisions. We know it's associated with more criminal activity, more substance abuse. Um, so, you know, I like to talk about sort of the four qualities of sleep. There's the amount you're sleeping. We want to get, you know, that seven to eight hours in adults and even more in, in kids. There's the quality of sleep. Are you getting good quality of sleep or something like sleep apnea or something else disrupting it? And then there's the timing. Um, so the later your sleep times, we know if the midpoint of sleep is after 3.30 in the morning, that that's associated with increased like cardiovascular disease. And then there's the regularity of sleep, like that social jet lag. So if you have a big difference in your sleep timings, that's associated with a lot of bad outcomes. So, you know, you if any, any one of those four is off, we don't do as well. Um, and that's really what daylight savings time does to us. It, it can affect both the duration, but also especially these circadian rhythm um, sort of timing aspects of our sleep. Yeah, so sounds like there are physical consequences, mental health consequences, and along with many other in the health field, right? The concerns yeah. for this daylight saving schedule. So if I understand correctly, if we want to really make change for the whole country, um, the the from health point of view, the best the best strategy possibly to permanent the standard time. Uh, the next option possibly is to um, keep the current what we've been doing, time change twice a year. The worst is the permanent the daylight saving time. Is that right? Yeah, that's what um, basically the American Academy of Sleep Medicine has come out um, as a position, the Sleep Research Society, um, the American Academy of, um, uh, sorry, the uh, uh, American Academy of Neurology, the American Medical Association. So, you know, we, we've really come to the you know, decision that permanent standard time is the best and permanent daylight savings time for both sort of scientific and history reasons um, it is the worst. And, you know, we'd also love the states that are sort of in their wrong time zone to move into the correct, you know, time zone. So Michigan, you know, should not be on Eastern time. You know, they, they should be, uh, you know, central. And, 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 you know, so that would also help with some of these issues as well. Right, right. Wow. So there's a lot of we have to think about, right, how to make a good sleep. I really like the four factors you are talking about. Because normally, most patients we see in the clinic, they only want to sleep longer. They think if they sleep enough hours, everything's going to be good. They, that means good sleep. But uh, in reality, as a sleep scientist, a sleep clinician, it's, it's a different story. 
Yeah. And there's that, you know, sort of U-shaped curve. We know there's more health problems if you, you know, get less than six to seven hours of sleep. And we know there's more health problems if you're getting like above 10 hours of sleep. So there's a lot of different ways to measure, you know, sleep and circadian um, misalignment. Yeah. So we talk a lot of about these health consequences from health point of view, right? We, we have a preference. We have concerns about what not to do. Uh, is there any other aspects to help us think about which time schedule to keep permanent? So one thing is that people are not affected evenly by daylight savings time. Um, there's two sort of main groups that are going to be the affected the most. One are people that already have more of a night owl tendency because they really need that morning light to sort of lock them in place and not let them stay up later and 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 get less sleep. Um, and so that's really teenagers. Kids between 10 to 17 are the highest risk for those sort of delayed sleep phase, and it'll go into the early 20s as well. Um, the second group is anyone that has to get up for work or school or family duties, like getting kids out the door um, before 8 a.m. Um, because they, you know, will tend to lose sleep if um, if they have to get up early. So again, we know if you have an hour later sunrises and sunsets, you lose about 19 minutes of sleep on average per day. If you have to get up by like 7 a.m. in the morning, you lose about 36 minutes of, of sleep per day. So, you know, a lot of essential workers, disproportionately minorities, disproportionately lower social economic status tend to have these really fixed, you know, early schedules. And so it doesn't affect you know, the population evenly. Um, and this is why, like, if school start times were also to move later, which is another thing we, we support that would give the kids, you know, some more time. Um, but, you know, and if we if we go to permanent daylight savings time, a lot of the benefits of moving school start times are lost instead of them going to, you know, school at 830. Now they'd have to go to school at 930 to get those same, you know, benefits. Um, and, in terms of education, um, I, I want to talk about one other study that I find really fascinating. So there was a study by Gasky and Indiana before 2007, most of the um, of the state was on stand, permanent standard time. And there were some border regions that were still on seasonal daylight savings time. So they looked at um, standardized test scores, SAT scores over a 10 year period. And the average scores in the parts that were in daylight savings time were 16 points lower oh. um, than the, the parts that were on standard time. But the most interesting thing is it wasn't affected evenly. So it was eight points lower if you were a higher um, sort of income status, 23 points lower if you were a middle income, and 49 points oh. lower if you were the lowest income. So it really shows the structural disparities in, and you know, we know that there's a lot of disparities in sleep. If you have two jobs, if you, you know, live in a noisier environment, you know, so people that are already at risk for sleep loss for other reasons, people that already have sleep disorders like sleep apnea or narcolepsy, those people are gonna be hurt, you know, even more. Um, by daylight savings time. Whereas people that, you know, are a lot of the ones that are lobbying for daylight savings time, like golfers, 
most people who have the uh, ability to go golf have the ability to maybe change their schedules or be later. So they're going to less feel the harms. Um, whereas, you know, if you make this struck, you know, this system wide, you know, decision, there are, you know, real people that you're going to harm and increase those structural disparities. Wow. I know a lot of parents really care about their children's academic performance, right? And this this data just amazing. Think about almost 50% lower and based on your SES status. Wow. And, and you know, and that goes into work, you know, the oh. workforce as a whole. Mm -hmm. So places with an hour later sunset um, have more people who are missing um, work days, who are tardy to work, who are getting workplace yeah. injuries, who are making yeah. poor decisions at work. And so, you know, and, and more likely to get, again, health problems that take them out of work. So we we are harming not only the education to get, you know, successful, right. but we're harming workers themselves and, you know, weakening the workforce as a whole. So people, the main arguments for permanent daylight savings time are economic, that more people will, you know, have time to get out, you know, shop, play golf, you know, that we'd help these sort of niche businesses, you know, potentially um, with, with that more evening light. But it's on the back of the workforce health and, and you know, productivity as a whole. So it really, you know, will be a wash if not, you know, not not beneficial in, in the big game. And, and if anything that COVID has shown us is that the health and the, you know, productivity of the workforce is really important. Um, and so, you know, we don't want to make these sort of sweeping, you know, changes that are going to affect the general worker, the general family, the general patient, just so, you know, we can, um, you know, potentially give that little bit more time for golf. And, and the other misconception that a lot of people say is that you get more sunlight when we're on daylight saving time. There's the same amount of sunlight. <laughs> I didn't change the sun in the sky. You know, the day is the same length. And if we go to permanent standard time and people want that same amount of time after work to be outside and enjoying the sun, they could ask their jobs to go to work earlier an hour. And if that seems like something they would never want to do, then why would they want to do it now? Because that's what you're being tricked into doing with daylight savings now. Um, we're tricking you in to going to work an hour, you know, earlier um, or to school an hour earlier. And it's, you know, it's before your body is ready. At least if we're on standard time, your body would be more ready because it wouldn't be pushed as much into sort of that delay that makes it harder to get to sleep on time and get up on time. Mm, wow. Wow. Yeah. Because I feel like we all live in a whole system everything related to other things, right? Our work, our job, and the whole economy, each single person, individuals, and each family, all related to how the society is running, whether we can run smoothly. And when you talk about all these bigger pictures of impact, I was thinking about the, uh, remind me of a traditional Chinese saying that uh, in order to pick up one sesame seed, you dropped a big watermelon. <laughs> Feels like that. We, in order to take care of certain business and for there's certain benefits, right? But we may hurt a lot more this whole system. 
And that's possibly going to take a lot of time for us to recover if we are able to recover from it ever. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, there was this economic study um, done by JP Morgan and they looked right before and after the time change. So it wasn't a whole year study, but they compared Arizona that's on permanent standard time to Los Angeles, um, who is changing. And they found that the Los Angeles, when they went to daylight savings time, you know, in, in March, um, you know, they did spend a little bit more on retail and on groceries, but they actually spent about 6% more on utility bills. They spent about five to 6% more on gas bills. They spent about that amount more on healthcare expenses. So, you know, not all economic benefits people would see as economic benefits. The gas company, the, you know, the the utility company might say, hey, we're we're bringing in more money. Um, But that's money out of people's pocket that they might want to spend on, you know, on on other things. So, um, you know, it is it is an interesting sort of balance there. And, And there was another study that also showed um, how utility bills go up. So again, Indiana, they switched um, from standard time to seasonal daylight savings time in, in 2007. And so they were able to look at um, at gas bills throughout the year. And, um, and they found that the utility electric bills um, went up um, by about 9 million. And that was because um, air conditioning costs went up and heating costs went up. So potentially right around March, when you're not using your air conditioning heating enough, you might save a little bit energy in the short term. The the DOT study, when they extended daylight savings time, did find about a half a percentage of of decreased energy use in in that sort of March um, period. But as you go to those other times of year, you see those big increases um, in air conditioning and heating. Um, And as our climate's getting warmer, you know, those are going to so those are you know expenses that will fall on families um, if we go to permanent daylight savings time. Wow! So it's really trade off. I really like how you mentioned all these different studies because I feel like media nowadays sometimes they only look at one study, one thing. They say, "Oh, see this related to this, or this even caused this, right?" But if we look the bigger picture, we will say, "Oh, there's really a trade off more clearly." And they're almost always pointing to what I call short-term study, looking the week or month before and after clock change, where when you're deciding between standard time versus daylight savings time, it is really what are the long-term effects? What will happen at the times of the year when we're affected the most, when winter, when we're really losing that that sunlight, and in summer when the sun is, you know, out, out really late. Um, And so, you know, another example of a misquoted study, there was a study by Doliac that looked at crime rates before and after the clock change. And so one point of information they had in this big study was looking at evening robbery rates. And um, right at the springtime change, sort of that day, there was a 27% drop in evening robbery rates. And so Rubio and others will quote and say, if we go to permanent daylight savings time, we will have a 27% drop in crime. Um, And that is not what the study shows. And if you actually look at the chart um, that this 27% comes from, sort of in, they looked at like 56 days, I think before the change in, in 56 days after, most of those 50 days, 60 days actually had lower evening robbery rates when 
they were on standard time and they started sort of progressively rising and going up as it went into the daylight savings time. Um, so again, not a long-term study, we don't know for certain, but it certainly did not show that there would be a 27% you know, drop in crime. And again, just like driving safety, if you think about crime, light is one factor and light may help prevent some robberies, but if kids you know, are not doing as well as school. If people are more likely because of their sleep problems to, you know, have drug use, which we know happens, mm. but they're more likely to make poor decisions, um, which we know, you know, that happens. Um, kids actually have more juvenile crime when it's light out. So the the peak is around 3 to 4 p.m. and that unstructured sort of time after school which goes up with permanent daylight savings time. So if you're increasing all these other factors that go into crime, it could make sense that, you know, that you're not necessarily winning out um, just by making there be more light. So we need more studies on that. We don't know, you know, 100% for certain, but, you know, it's definitely not that this is the clear, you know, right. better option. Yeah, yeah. Well, after knowing all this research and all these different aspects of, the negative impact of daylight saving. And so for us, each individual who are interested in this, who care about health economics, who want to be healthier, um, is there anything uh, we can do as an individual at this time? So um, we need action both at state and federal levels. Um, if anything, I because there's so many active state bills right now, it's really important for people to reach out just to their local state legislators around the corner and tell them, you know, hopefully that you support permanent standard time. Um, and if there is a, a daylight savings time in the in, in your state to block it, and if there, um, you know, is there a standard time bill to support it, and if there isn't one, to try to get one sponsored. Um, we do also need people to reach out to the federal legislators saying, do not vote for the Sunshine Protection Act. It is not sunshine. It's the Sunshine De Deprivation Act. <laughs> um, so we need to block that bill and again, ask for a federal bill for permanent standard time. Um, if you're someone that, you know, knows about this and you can write to your local newspapers, you can tell your friends, you know, just spreading the education about it. Um, if you want resources, um, savestandardtime.com has a lot of resources. Um, we've put together a set of educational videos called The Science of Clock Change, which you can find on savestandardtime.com, or um, they're available on YouTube if you just search for Science of, of Clock Change. Um, and they're just short little five-minute things about different issues like education, activity, um, health, um, energy, um, and really just sort of boil down, um, you know, a lot of what we've talked about today and to, and to learn even more. Wow, great. So it sounds like we, every individual who are listening, who are interested, right, we should first educate ourselves to know more about this. And if this is really important, if we we understand it and want to contribute, we should try to really spread out the word, spread out the signs to help people know the full picture. And, and to make it really easy to send those letters, if you text SST for Save Standard Time to um, 50409, 
Um, it uses ResistBot to sort of send a pre-filled out letter. You can edit it if you want, so you don't even have to find your legislator's emails. Um, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, if you search for American Academy of Sleep Medicine and Advocacy, they also have a page that anyone can use. You don't have to be a member um, that also has a sort of pre-formed letter to send out. So we make it as easy as, as possible. Oh, that's um, awesome. Uh, to just get those letters. And and it and those letters are meaningful. If a legislator gets, you know, 10 letters about something, it really can, you know, make all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I really hope, you know, uh, like those politics makers and uh, uh all this state um like government can listen to professionals, can listen to all these healthcare professionals to think about it, the whole picture. Uh, yeah, and we hope, you know, again, this is not just a health issue. This is an economic issue. This is an yeah. education issue. This is a disparity issue, um, you know, potentially with the increase in, in, in energy with, you know, uh, air conditioning and heating, it's a, it's a climate yeah. issue. So, you know, whatever you care about, uh, you know, it's a pet issue. You know, I mean, yes. animals, they stay aligned with the, the sun. You know, farmers, their their animals are aligned with the sun. You know, crops don't dry until the dew, you know, rises. So getting us out earlier before that's even done doesn't help. You know, so, it you know, people can come at this from whatever angle inspires them. Um, another big issue is religious. Um, so some, you know, Jewish people, Muslim people, they have certain religious practices where they can only pray after the sun comes up. So if that's at 8 30, 9 30 in the morning, you know, that really gets in interrupt in the day. So we have support from, you know, religious um, groups, other religious groups just believe why mess with God's time, you know, let's, <laughs> let's stay with the sun. Um, and, you know, so any of those reasons inspire you, um, you know, please, you know, write, you know, write to, to your people. And, and it's, um, you know, again, we, we've tried this before. It didn't work. We don't need to see dead school children again. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, it's as, it's as simple as, is that, you know, there's, there's just so many good reasons to, to end clock change, which is really favorable. About 75% of people say they want to get rid of clock change, but we, we need to do it the right way. And it's already federally approved. So if states can vote for it, it can happen quickly. It's actually the quickest and easiest way for us to end clock change. Okay, great, great. Yes, yeah, sounds like I like the practical strategies we can do, right? Every single one of us can do something to help promote this. And I, I like what you mentioned. Yes, it's every aspect of our lives. It's not just health. And I personally only know more sleep experts are really promoting that because I'm in this field. But I really hope more and more people from different backgrounds, different areas really contribute to this too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I will try to put all those uh, websites, those links you mentioned uh, in the show notes. Is there any other websites or resources you want to pronounce again to help everyone remember where to go? Um. You know, other other organizations like the Sleep Research Society, the Society for Biological um, or Research of Biological Rhythms, 
Um, you know, they have information uh, too, but uh, again, Save Standard Time sort of helps link to all of those. So that's right. a really good uh, yeah. place to start with. Yeah. So the easiest one, just go to savestandardtime.com. Dot com. Yep. Great. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Johnson. Uh, this is, Thank uh, you for highlighting this. <laughs> yeah, this is very important. We will make sure <laughs> it's uh, I will make sure people uh, know that from the very beginning. And because it's great to have one link, one place, you can find a lot of different things for whoever want to know more of this, they can dive in further, right? Yeah. For other people, they can quickly get all the information they need. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your time. And I will, um, I'll email you, um, uh, you know, by, you know, I'll email you a bio and, and, you know, those websites and, and things. So I hope you liked today's conversation. Let me summarize the four pillars of good night of sleep. One is quantity. Second is quality. Third is timing. The fourth is regularity. In my clinic work, I notice a lot of people, their sleep problem is related to their misperception of how sleep should be. So I hope today's conversation help you clarify some of the confusions. And also, please consider to help contribute to Save the Standard Time. You can go to savestandardtime.com to help advocate for this policy. If you have any thoughts about this topic, please feel free to leave me a message. Let me know. I will also put the clips of this interview on YouTube channel so you can see me and Dr. Johnson talking in videos. Please feel free to follow us on YouTube at MindBodyGardenPsychology. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Shen. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently. And there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.